if you're a woman, like you basically deserve what's coming to you. And pregnancy would be a punishment for having sex outside of wedlock. Um, Doesn't wedlock sound like such a bummer too, by the way? Welcome to Holy Ghosting Podcast, a podcast by three 40-ish-year-old moms who left the evangelical church. I'm Lindsay, senior warden at my Episcopal church in Portland, Oregon, and I often wonder why it is that I still attend church at all. I'm Meg, and I am a human who does not attend church, but has a lot of maybe guilt about it still. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm Sarai, and I am a witch, and I will never, ever, ever go back to a church unless I absolutely have to, and that's usually just for a funeral. (laughs) Today, we are going to talk about abortion. And I want to warn you all that this is going to be an episode that's full of some heavy shit. So just know that there is all the trigger warnings. And if you need to take some space, if you need to skip this episode, if your heart just can't do it, that is okay. Um, We we know that this is a really complicated topic and we all have very complicated feelings about it. And we don't all necessarily agree uh, on the topic. And I think that we have spent years deconstructing this. And this is, as many of you all know, like abortion is the hot button issue in evangelical Christianity. And we were raised with a lot of dogma and hardcore beliefs about this issue. So it's taken all of us a really long time to figure out where we're at now. So before we get into it, just know it's okay if you are not okay. And it's okay if you need to skip this one and sit this out. So we we love you. Before we kind of get into our personal experiences and share from our hearts on this issue, I think we should do the intro again. You know, we said if we go to church or not, but it's not really about church now. It's like, how do you feel about babies? Like how <laughs> <laughs> unborn babies specifically after they're born, you don't have to care about them anymore. But how do you feel about the whole, where are you at in your walk? Where are you at uh, give give me your best one sentence summary of where you fall on this issue. Sarai, you take it from here. Oh, yay. Okay. Well, I have thought about this a lot. It was probably one of the hardest things for me to deconstruct uh, in my kind of faith slash politics journey, because for me, those things were inextricable because of how I was raised and where I was in the evangelical church. I really kind of eventually, and you know, it didn't take all that long, but I really came to understand that my value around my political beliefs and preferences are really based on more freedom for more people and less oppression for um, more people. And so to me, abortion really boiled down to, do I want to legislate and control what other people are able to do with their own lives? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. And that is for me where I kind of landed on it. There's a lot more to it, but just real quick. Yeah, I'm super pro-choice. And if you need an abortion and you can't get one in your state, like I would love to help you find a way to do it. So give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sarai. That I feel like was a perfect summation of where you're at. Meg, what's your Cliff's notes on where you're at? We'll get into each of our stuff a little bit more here in a bit. We're just kind of off the top, letting y'all know where we're at. My very first protest I ever went to was protesting probably in middle school age at an abortion clinic. Um, I was a very shy, quiet kid. um, So it was a really big deal for me to go stand somewhere with a sign yelling at people, um, which is what they encouraged us to do was yell at people that they were murdering babies. Fast forward to now. And honestly, I just believe that every human should have body autonomy, regardless of what you're working with like body part wise. I just don't think that the government has any right to tell specific people what they can or cannot do with their own body when they are not harming anyone else. And I firmly stand behind that, that even if you believe that life begins at conception, we have to consider the life of the human that it ha- is viable and that has a life and that, you know, has free will and has choice. And yeah, I guess I'm just here for human rights and body autonomy for everyone equally. I would love a constitutional change to happen. That would be really great. Um, <laughs> thank you. Lindsay, where are you at? So where I am at is I am also pro-choice and I have been for a minute 
but it's taken me a really long time to figure out what that means for me and where the lines are. For a long time, I've been of the opinion that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. I don't think that anymore, but I'm not totally sure why. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to celebrate it, but I don't think it should only be in the worst, 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 worst cases. And I'll probably still keep going more left because that's just... (laughs) because it's a slippery slope y'all so i mean yeah basically i'm pro-choice but when i go to marches and people are yelling like yelling in the streets my body my choice i still get a little inside that's where i'm at (laughs) so and it's funny because i suggested this episode even though i feel like i'm the one who has probably the biggest hang-ups with this it's not even a hang-up it's just that it's just so complex and everything I've been told my whole life. And even knowing like, I don't think my mom doesn't listen to podcasts, but if she listened to this, she would not be happy with me. And frankly, like talking about the slippery slope thing, like it's, it has been a long sort of untangling of what I sought. So I never protested at an abortion clinic. I wasn't, my family weren't like intense like that. It's just, it's a, It's more like it's a heart issue. Like my mom will cry. Like it's, it's, you know, it's about babies and it's about saving children. And I will say like one of the things that I have a hard time with now and I did then is maybe even like with the creation evolution stuff. It's like you're not coming at it from the same basic belief. Like, and the my body, my choice argument is never going to work with pro-life Christians because they believe it is too different bodies. And that is was freaking complicated and where I can't figure out like, yes, I'm a mom. I have, I have had a baby inside of me. I know it's a life and I know what that life is. And that's amazing. So it, you can't shake that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, knowing like, how did we decide that this life is the most important life, that this tiny unborn life, it trumps everything else. And that that women aren't important. And then, of course, like, you know, so as I've gone along, you know, I've watched the hypocrisy. I see how we don't take care of mothers. I see how we don't provide birth control. Like, it's all ridiculous. Like, it's it's not about babies and it never was. But to at least the people in charge, but to the people who believe these things, it is. And that is what's so like my mom believes abortion is murder. And she grieves for those infants, you know, really, truly. And she doesn't believe she's trying to control women's bodies at all or that she's against women. She, she would say the opposite. She, so it's just, I'm not saying I'm there. I'm not at all. And I remember, I mean, this is after I got married to my husband, who's wasn't raised Christian at all. And so we were raised very differently. And I remember watching Friday night lights the show. And did you guys watch it? I was a huge fan of Friday Night Lights. And one of the later seasons, one of the characters, a teen girl, uh, decides to get an abortion. And, you know, it was a really taboo subject on TV, too. People would talk about it or they'd think about it, but then they wouldn't get one, you know, like. And so, but she does. And I mean, I remember crying at this TV episode, just like really wrestling with like, it's just TV, but I was just like, I wanted it in my head, I wanted it to end happy. You know, it ended sad. And that's Mm. what I thought. But like looking back then, however, eight, nine years ago, whenever that was, it was before we had a a child of our own. And now being older and just thinking like, why would it be happy for a teenager to have a a baby? You know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's just, it's starting to question those things. And so I think like the, the unraveling of my beliefs on this is, is some of it too has just been really really recent. And just with realizing, I think where I'm at now is like, I have very big pacifist leanings. And I think that that's why I'm not a full blown pacifist. But like, I am much like I'm anti death penalty, I am anti war, like, I don't like death, if we can avoid it. Great. And I don't know what that means. I don't I'm all for like, give people birth control. I'm for the pill. I am for women having power over their bodies. And I'm sure shit not about forcing people to give birth to babies in any situation. And I think that like, again, it was marketed to me as like selfish women who just want to have careers and don't want to have sex, all the sex that they want, and then just kill off their babies. I'm like, nobody's doing that. Literally, no one is doing that. For the most part, abortions happen with a pill before it's even a thing. You know, it's like a little 
pile of gel in your body, you know, like, yeah, I know I'll, um, I'll throw some facts at us. So nine out of 10 abortions in the United States happen within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, whether you or not you believe that life begins at conception or at heartbeat or whatever thing, you know, someone has decided means that is when a soul has entered and that is a human body. Half of those abortions, so 12 weeks or prior, half of those are by pill. They are not the silent scream, which is if you were never exposed to this horrific movie as a child, I feel great for you. I remember being a young person and being shown a video of a almost, I would say, full-grown baby being aborted. And I, I don't know the circumstances. If, if either you know the circumstances around why this video was ever recorded or made or then turned into a propaganda machine for pro-life people, I like to call them anti-abortion people because I don't think that a lot of things that evangelicals stand for are pro-life, death penalty being one of them, yep. mm -hmm. um, helping people who are unhoused, helping people with addiction. It's completely inconsistent. It doesn't. Foster that's why kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're an anti-abortion believer, the thing I had to do was challenge myself in what my understanding of abortion was. In our town, we have billboards that have like three-month-old babies on them. Born babies, not fetuses. Born. Yeah. Sorry. Not in utero. These are full-grown. They're sitting, basically. They're like- They're pictures of weird-looking stage, and they're cute. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're like happy, and they're wearing little beanies, and it says, you know- don't kill babies with abortions. And then there's this picture of this full <laughs> human who's like two, three months out of the womb. That's not what we're talking about. That is not equal what we are saying when we are talking about abortion in America. We are talking about something very different. And I think that's maybe one of the hardest things for me was to learn how to separate what I was taught and what my perspective of like, yes, we're killing babies. That is horrible. That's a horrible thing. I don't think any of us are advocating to kill humans. And that's actually not what abortion is doing most of the time. How did this become such a linked topic to, I mean, honestly, it was one of the things that was the hardest for me to not vote Republican. Um, when the first time I voted Democrat, it was the abortion issue. And I think for a lot of evangelicals, we were taught that. Um, my mother certainly was. And that was something in our church that was like, yeah, we vote Republican because Republican equals pro-life. Yeah. Like, what the hell? How did how did that happen? Oh my gosh! You Separation of church and state. Anyone? <laughs> oh no, we don't want it. Uh, oh my god. Okay, this seriously just triggers like nine thousand things to me as I'm listening to you talking, Lindsay. I'm like, this has a lot to do with like our own mom issues. You know, being raised by the generation of evangelical Christian women that we were raised by is kind of an interesting one. And all of our moms were different. Meg's mom worked. My mom stayed home and homeschooled us all. Um, Same. Yeah. And so <laughs> my mom was really. My mom worked at a Christian school. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we did okay. see her all day long and we did go to a Christian school. So I'm just going to. Perfect. You know, that's basically like doing homeschool in a different building than your house. So yeah. we'll, we'll call it that. Um, but I think that's one of the really interesting things about this to me, too, is like my mom and your moms all had this sense of like, Babies are really important. Like, I have babies. I love babies. Who could ever kill a baby? That's terrible. And my mom volunteered at this, like, crisis pregnancy clinic called Birthright in my town for a long time. And I used to go and they'd be these really long volunteer shifts. She basically worked there, like, I don't even know how many hours a week, but she was there most days or a bunch of days a week and would be there for several hours. And sometimes I'd go with her. And I remember her working with people directly. How old, Sarai? Can I interrupt? How old mm -hmm. were you when um, this kind of started being a, a normal thing that you would go and do with like, your mom? Maybe like 10, 11 to 13 or something like that. I was around it a lot. So like I'd go to, she would uh, have booths at like the U of O street fairs or at other public events. And I would often go and be in the booth with her when like hippie ladies in Eugene would walk up and be like, well, how would you feel if your daughter got pregnant at 12? And my mom's like, well, she would never do that. 
And then we'd keep the baby. And I just remember well, being she's like, she's a virgin, but we would keep the baby. That's literally, yeah. And and she also went into schools as a part of this organization to teach the abstinence only part of sex ed in high schools. And she would take her plastic fetuses and show them as the fetus develops, like what they look like like at different points. Um, and really focus on this anti-abortion teaching and training. And what's interesting to me is like part of my unraveling on this had to do with looking at the the way that it was all wrapped up in purity culture for me. The fact mm-hmm. that it was so much about premarital sex, like no one was talking about married people ever having an abortion for any reason. Like no oh, one was talking, so true. right? They weren't talking about a woman who has other children who literally can't afford to raise another kid. None of that was a part of the conversation. It was always like teen pregnancy and kids just need to never have sex until they get married. And it's this sim- this kind of same like gross paternalistic outlook as, you know, I came of age, voting age, like during the like pre-George W. Bush years, post-Clinton years that were like really focused on God's gays and guns and, you know, anti-gay legislation everywhere and anti-abortion stuff. I mean, it was really a lot about making other people's morality match our expectations for our own morality as Christians. And that didn't really jive. This is like part of where my (laughs) deconstruction was based so much on the actual Bible. What I found to be so troubling about it was that we were acting as though the law of the land could legislate people's behavior and morality in ways that made us feel comfortable just because those were the preferences we had for morality or that we would like to make in our own lives. But that doesn't, that is not a way to govern anything. It doesn't make any sense at all that that would be the case. So we've got like kind of our mom things and our purity culture things, and we've got our like unholy alliance between right wing evangelical kind of crusadesy people, you know, Jerry Falwell and Billy Graham and all these fucking guys from the 70s. Oopsies, there goes my mic. Laying the groundwork for this on the heels of Jimmy Carter's <laughs> administration threatening religious organizations with loss of their tax status, their tax, you know, write offable status or 501c3 for being segregated. And so instead of focusing on maybe we should stop being so racist and allow our churches to not be segregated, that might be a thing we could do. Instead, they push toward let's build our own things and we've got to rally the evangelicals in the states to vote these different ways because those are the ways we want things to be. And they knew that they couldn't pass legislation anymore that was based on segregation as of like 1968. But they were able, and this happened after Roe v. Wade, like until Mm. 1978 or so, really abortion was considered a primarily Catholic issue. Like Catholics, you know, they're anti-birth control. There's a lot of different pieces in Catholicism that speak to abortion. But until the late 70s, abortion didn't really enter the minds of white evangelicals in America. Like, it was not a thing. And then once they realized we can't keep running on these same issues, they started to manipulate and infiltrate and work closely with right-wing politicians to bring abortion to the front because it raises fury, because they're framing it in ways like you were saying earlier, Lindsay, that pro-choice folks and and pro-life quote-unquote folks are not speaking the same language, and they literally are not. It's, you know, I'm hearing a pro-life college student say things like, well, when does life begin? If there's a heartbeat, is it life? What? Who is worthy of life? And asking these major philosophical questions and trying to lead someone down a path of saying like, well, this point. And the truth is we can't pick like at this many weeks, abortion is okay, and then one day later, it's bad. That isn't how Mm -hmm. it works. And that isn't what makes sense even for like any part of our physiology or for the reality of what pregnancy is like or how things happen. It is absolutely a thing that any human person who is pregnant and their doctor or whoever their healthcare provider is should be making between them for the health of the person who is already born and alive. And let's talk about not just the physical health of the person, the host, let's call them. Let's also talk about their mental health, their social health, their emotional health, and the way that we dismiss those things, particularly in people who can become pregnant, 
and disregard them. We disregard their mental health entirely. Postpartum depression is something that we barely as a society recognize and talk about. It was not recognized or talked about when I had my son and definitely (laughs) had postpartum. He just turned 12. That was not that long ago. There were not conversations about it or preemptively I was not told about it. If I had even just been aware of it, um, I probably would have been able to more easily recognize it in myself. Uh, this is just kind of my my fun little fact for everyone. The movie Alien was a story about unwanted pregnancy, being impregnated in an unwanted way by a foreign being, a parasite that you did not choose and you did not want, but that you became a host for. And I find it really fascinating that the first, you know, the person that we see giving birth uh, to this alien baby is a man. And I think that that is so genius because everyone was horrified by it. I mean, people were horrified that this man had a, you know, a foreign parasite in his body that just burst out of him when it wanted to and he died that is the birth story for a lot of people uh meg i haven't Mm -hmm. seen alien yet so you really just spoiled the movie for me sorry i should have i should have given a a spoiler on that guys no i think that there's like a a statute of limitations for that maybe if it's a 20-year-old movie, it's probably... Yeah, 20-plus years, I to think. to spoil it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Linz. Now you can go watch Alien. And, now I know, um, well, now and, I'm going to watch it with this. I'm like, oh, the, I do know that there's like a gruesome alien, yeah, popping out of the belly. I've seen, you know. Yeah, that's pretty You'll early. You'll just fall that's asleep like right then. You'll be like, oh, boring. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Oh, he died. I knew that. <laughs> Anyone could have seen this coming. <laughs> But then the female character uh, played by Trandon. Sigourney Weaver. Oh wait, Sigourney Weaver. I was mixed Sigourney them up. Weaver, not Susan Trandon. I apologize. See, no, I haven't seen Sigourney it. Weaver, In my head, it the was most Susan. badass. Ugh. She phenomenal. Such a badass, and she is just like fuck this. Like, no, you're not going to impregnate me. When I realized that, my husband actually told me um, about the history of that movie, and it was one of the first times where I was like, oh my gosh. I could have been empowered by this all along, Hmm. but it kind of, you know, it wasn't talked about. It was not a thing that they went on the red carpet and were just like, this is actually a story about unwanted pregnancy. Like that's not what they promoted in this movie, (laughs) but uh, I do love that. Well, I'm going to have to, going to have to watch Alien now. It's right. What you were saying. I was like thinking about like the purity culture stuff does add so much into this. And I think back about like, curiosity raise of hands who who among us has taken plan b has anyone had to take it oh i have not that's probably because you only had sex with your husband yeah one person you don't you've kind of just been married since you were a child bride so yes yes (laughs) for those for those who haven't heard girl so i was the good christian virgin girl who frankly got married when i should not have my husband and i both agree we're still married still together 20 two years um in 2022 but we definitely should have just had sex (laughs) and enjoyed that um and not been shamed by it and not been afraid of it and um we probably still would have gotten married but we also would have had sex Uh, and you would have been better at it when you got married which would have been nice so much better awkwardness i because of purity culture and all that jazz was not supposed to be having sex when i did eventually have it so i was not on birth control Mm-hmm. at all because again because that would be having to admit that i was having sex to a healthcare professional to a doctor i was not willing <laughs> to admit that also i'm sure that you guys i don't know that you would understand this feeling like you feel like then it gives you a free pass i feel like a lot of good christian girls don't go on birth control because then they're afraid of what they'll do if they're on birth yeah. control but then you just do it anyways and then you're terrified and if I can be a little graphic, you know, never let anybody, uh, you know, finish inside me or anything like that. But like, you know, was, I was so dumb. I mean, and I was like, not young. I was like 25, 26 years old when I finally had sex. It took me a hot minute. And I I wasn't even like smart enough to insist that they like used a condom. Like I just- Purity culture almost robbed us of good sex education. Almost entirely did it. Yes. Yeah. And very intentionally as well. I think part of purity culture is 
naivety and culture. I, it's fetishized. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have conversations about consent. I didn't have, I didn't know anything about my body, about what I wanted, about what felt good, how to communicate that to a partner. All I felt was shame because I was making a mistake. And then the, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like what if I'm pregnant? And so it, and I think too, I just did this because like knowing like what time of the month it was, like, you know, kind of vaguely. And so I went and got myself some plan B. Like just the thought, the thought of like, what if like I would be so screwed, you know, on every level, mm-hmm. mostly the shame of, cause then my parents would definitely know that I had had sex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not so much the like, I'd be like a single mom or whatever, cause there's no way I was supporting that baby. That was not an option. That's what our baby loving moms are for, frankly. Right. I know, right? Do you not consider plan B to be a type of abortion? Well, I think at, at the, the time-, time, yes and no. I would like to... To me, it's not because I'm like, it's just a pill that you take. In my head, abortions like when they're like taking a thing out of your body. But I got plan B. And I don't know if you remember the website. Were you guys into Post Secret? Do you remember that website where people, it Mm-mm. was like you could send postcards oh, no. of your secrets. It was a blog. I was obsessed with it. It was probably oh. like in the like Tumblr. I don't know. Like, oh, I can't believe I missed so it was this. Called Post Secret. And people would send in their secrets on postcards to this person. And they would anonymously publish them on their blog. And there's so many like amazing. Oh, yes. They juicy- would physically send a postcard. Yes. Right? And some okay. of them were yes. so funny. And some of them were so sad. And like, I yeah. will never forget. I took the plan B cardboard box, turned it into a postcard, mailed it to post secret. Oh, and like, says, you know, my secret was something about like having sex or like, or it was like, I really hope I'm not having a baby or something like that was like my secret. And so much shame about using plan B that I sent a freaking postcard because it was a secret. I mean, I don't think I told my, I couldn't tell anybody. I don't even think I told the guy that I had sex with. When I was, when I was younger, my mom would overtly say that even the pill was literally an abortion pill because it kept the zygote or whatever was happening with the fertilized egg even from implanting on your uterine wall. Like that was abortion to my mom. And I think that is really extreme, but is not unheard of. And I I would say like a lot of people think any form of birth control, not just Catholics now, but, you know, and not all Catholics, (laughs) hashtag, um, but that, um, you know, even evangelical people have thought the same thing. I took plan B after I was married because I was just too weird to try to have sex as a real old virgin in my like mid 20s (laughs) with somebody I was dating I just was like this is just weird and embarrassing at this point so I I didn't really know what to do but once I got married I just had a really fucking weird sex life anyway and I got on birth control and was really really fucked with me in like super upsetting ways and so I didn't want to take it and I didn't but I did have a stock of plan b and luckily my ex-husband and I almost never did it because I think we were both just like not really into each other in that particular way. <laughs> and so <laughs> it worked out. I had like one set of plan B pills and I took them, you know, whenever I had sex, really, just because I was like in my late 20s, I wasn't ready to have a kid and I wanted to be ready to have a kid when I was ready, you know? So, Sarai, did you use plan B as a birth control? Hell method? yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you've taken it a few times in your day. I've taken it a bunch of times. And I think, I mean, the thing that I think is also interesting and like kind of what you were talking about a little bit there was like, did you think of it as an abortion in your mind? And it's one of those things of like, if this isn't my thing, if I'm not personally experiencing it, doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like it's such a big deal. Like, oh, well, if you have sex, like you kind of deserve it if you get pregnant. Like it was that kind of like punishment Mm -hmm. fluency that we grew up within that whole milieu of just if you're a woman, like you basically deserve what's coming to you. And pregnancy would be a punishment for having sex outside of wedlock. Doesn't wedlock sound like such a bummer too, by the way? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. The idea that purity culture, one, for us as young women, taught us that our purity was linked to our salvation or linked to our sanctity or it went beyond just save yourself for your husband. It was about your personal sin nature. And about Um, your value as a person. Literally your value as a woman boiled down to whether you're a virgin or not. Or you could be, as Rebecca St. James so eloquently used to say, a recycled virgin. That's another thing you could do. <laughs> but that wasn't as good. That was like, oh, I'm chewed gum. Right. But I'm yeah, still gum. That was a- <laughs> <laughs> to take that harsh, there's no wiggle room. It's just you don't have sex. 
when you're raised to just glorify virginity, <laughs> you aren't taught all of the other things. I certainly wasn't. I wasn't taught about self-pleasure. I wasn't taught about consent. I wasn't taught about being a sexual being at all, either for myself or being seen as a sexual being. Um, we talk a lot about growing boobs, and I think that's the other thing we were just taught, like, don't grow boobs. Oops, you did. Well, good luck with that was kind of the vibe. Put and, them away. And through, <laughs> right, hide them, I guess, is your option. No one should um, ever know that you wear a bra, though. So that's another one. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Gosh, remember when bra straps were like so controversial, like to see a bra oh, strap? Right. Dude, I literally I was grounded my own stupid thing. It's it's not my fault I grew boobs, but yeah, my whole junior year I was grounded for my bra straps showing under a tank top, and I'm like, I don't know, you are the one that buys my clothes, so what am I supposed to tell you? <laughs> oh, gosh, just stop. Stop policing women's bodies. Just full stop. We're not asking for it. We're not begging for it. Like, I will tell you if I want to have sex with you. It's not that hard, really, to ask people. Um, in my opinion, it's like a pretty easy thing to be like, would you like to have sex? My now plural married friend who I met in Christian college, we became friends partly because she was also from a pretty large family that was homeschooled. <laughs> I love this person so much and I love this whole story. There was a point where we were like kind of coaching each other through post-divorce, like what do what do we do sexually? And she was like wild. Um, and like I said, it's plural married now, which I think is like the cutest thing ever. But one day she was like, you know, you can just have sex with anybody you want to. And I was like, oh, really? And it's Absolutely true. 100% you absolutely can have sex with anyone you want to. And it's not like, if it's not weird. It's just as well. Yeah, <laughs> That is a very important part. <laughs> but Same. surprisingly, most people you want to have sex with also are down to have sex with you, which is one of the things I was shocked by. <laughs> that is a very surprising kind of like, I guess I've never considered that as real. So on my wedding day, my virgin wedding day, we did the money dance, which is a gross tradition. The only good thing about it is that you get money, um, but it is weird and gross. And I had, I I want to say at least five or six guys that I knew from church, appropriate ages, like varying ages, but like appropriate, like there weren't any old gross horn dogs um, in this story, but younger, you know, my age-ish guys who during this dance, like the one opportunity to come up and be like close to me, you know, told me, oh, I always had a crush on you. Like I always wanted to go out with you or I always dated you or I always wanted to hook up. And I was just like, really? I didn't think of myself as like interesting <laughs> to anyone in that way. Um, and to learn that really, truly what Soraya is saying, it was probably possible. Like at any point, you know, if we didn't leave room for the Holy Spirit, I probably could have been having sex with like a lot of different people. It's true. Oh, the fun of being raised evangelical. I, I want to bring it back to abortion, that super fun topic. If you're on the fence or you feel conflicted or even the word makes you feel a little icky inside, like that's okay. This is a safe space. Again, we have all sort of like are at different places in our journey. And for me, my journey started at looking at how to reduce abortions. And mm. this is where my mom and I actually can't have a conversation about this because the way to reduce abortions is not by making abortion illegal. That only reduces Amen. preach. Yeah, that only reduces safe abortions and right. that means women will die. Period. That is like not contested. That is fact. And the way to reduce abortion is to provide birth control. Yeah. Affordable healthcare, mm. paid maternity leave babies are expensive education education access. All, all of yeah. the things and we don't provide shit for women no. and this is not a world that is good to bring babies into and it's horrible for women i mean it's horrible for some men too it's horrible for the baby it's, it's really hard i don't want to play god i don't want to make those decisions i don't want to decide when life begins like mm -hmm. i i don't that's not for me. But I also want women to have the right to choose when they want to have a baby. I do. Yep, yeah. Like from the bottom of my heart because I have one and she's like the most precious thing in my entire life. And I'm so grateful for her. But I'm also grateful that I like, I'm going to get emotional, like that I got to have her on my terms when I wanted to, yeah. you know? 
that is a gift to be able to have that. And I lucked out, man. I could have, I, I really could have gotten pregnant by people I didn't want to get pregnant with because I was stupid and I wasn't, no, I wasn't stupid. I'm taking that back. You weren't stupid. Yeah. You were naive. You just you didn't were uneducated. Have, right. right. Yeah. I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything. And I think that like my hope is for the next generation that they will have such better knowledge and be able to take care of themselves. And we we won't even hopefully have to have as many of these issues, you know, I can just give give them all birth control. Just can we just like can we just sterilize like teenage boys or something? <laughs> yeah, can we talk <laughs> about some of our wild um solutions for this? Because well, that's the, one of them I have. Get everyone get a vasectomy. They're reversible. If Michael Scott can like get a vasectomy, get a reversal, get a vasectomy, get a reversal. Come on. All for Jan. I mean, she was mean too. So <laughs> yeah. You you get three days on the couch, mm-hmm. video game it up, watch sports, read a book. I will like, personally watch movies. I don't care. Make you some soup and bring it to your house and leave it on yeah. your doorstep. You could eat soup for a weekend and yeah. feel I will door dash you. I'll bring you a cold ice cream cold pack for your balls. I'll bring you one. <laughs> yep. Frozen <laughs> peas to all households. Yeah. Just like COVID yeah. tests. I'm gonna send you, know you frozen peas. If the government can get behind regulating women's bodies, I don't Mm. understand why it can't get behind regulating men's bodies and then giving them, I don't know, access to healthcare for free to get their free vasectomy and free reversal. Yeah, perfect. Whenever they want one. That would be really Um, great. I have a person in my life that had a vasectomy when he was in his young 20s. He had to wait, first of all, because they wouldn't allow him to get a vasectomy when he was 21. Um, he had to wait. I don't remember if it was 24 or 25, but they would not allow him to make that choice for his own body. The way he kind of justified it to me was he just said, I can't accidentally adopt a kid, but I can accidentally make a kid. True that. And he wasn't ready to have a child and he still doesn't have a child. He's older than me. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But he does have sex. Can more? I think can we more should people allow be like all humans, him. yeah, to do that. Yeah, I love that choice. I'm a, um, I'm and a fan I would of that. love that choice for everyone. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna have forced pregnancy, which in my mind does very closely link itself to child human trafficking, if we are going to force people to have babies so that they can be adopted by wealthy white people in America, when does child support start? Does that start at conception? When is the the other person's responsibilities begin? When are we as a society taking care of people? You know, when are we providing healthcare? When are we providing reality? Like, let's put all people who are impregnated, let's just pay them to have a home, have healthy food, like survive, like not have to work. Let's just shower them with like massages and care and like, you know, aromatherapy and just like they don't have to cook. They don't have to clean. They're literally just incubating a human life. Frankly, these babies take a lot. Um, I, for 30 years, didn't have any cavities, got pregnant. First time I went to the dentist, three cavities. I was shocked. He was not. I was like, I've never had cavities. He's like, well, you're pregnant. Duh. It takes everything it from you to make another person. Yep. Does it yep. literally does. And that's I think this is one, first of all, I think Meg, you might just need to put back into your brain like the misogyny part of why we make mm. all of our decisions the way we do. But the, I think the other part of that is also recognizing that just acting like it's not a big deal for women to carry a baby, quote, to term mm. is insane. Yeah. And also misses the point that many of these pregnancies honestly are not viable and or might end in a, a really difficult life for a baby once it's born. And that would affect the whole family forever and ever. And I'm not saying that to be like ableist or anti, you know, intellectual disabilities or anything like that. Every person should get to make that choice, though, if they have that information. And Mm -hmm. they are already here. They already have a life and many of them already have other children. It's not like people are just cold-hearted brutes wanting to murder babies. It's literally really tough decisions. And, you know, honestly, this is here's the one of the content warnings. Boop, 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 miscarriage. 
my first pregnancy ended in a missed miscarriage, which mm. of course you don't go to the doctor until you're six weeks. That's a bar- That's a big barrier. You do not go to the doctor until then. Just FYI, boys who are pro-life, quote unquote, like <laughs> that's not, you can't have an abortion before six weeks because you don't always fucking- your- yeah, they won't they confirm won't. your pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they won't even tell you. Right. You don't yeah. even know sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. not a I've, thing. I have gone plenty of times in between periods, six weeks. Easy. Yep. Like, yep. Oh, very honestly, quite a lot. So I had a missed miscarriage, which which my doctor was not, did not have the best bedside manner. So when she stuck that very invasive vaginal ultrasound wand up my up my junk. Uh, her first response was, oh, that's not right. Which, you know, now it's like 12 yeah, years later, uh-oh. so I'm not as traumatized by it. But at the time, it was crushing because I was I was 29 when this happened. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for a baby. I was like getting ready to go into grad school and I already had a full-time job. And But I brought myself around to it. You know, I was like, oh, I'm excited now. And I had told my family. It just became a whole fraught thing. But I had to have a, a DNC, which dilation and courtage for those of you who don't know what a DNC is, which was botched. So then I had to go get my blood drawn every week for six months um, because my HCG levels never dropped because they didn't get oh all the gosh. tissue. But even when I was going under, they were putting me under anesthesia. And the whole time I was like, what if she's wrong? What if this, mm. what if I am still pregnant? What if I'm making a huge mistake? Mm. And like putting that on myself in that time, it was already so difficult. And I was grieving the loss of what the life I thought I was going to have was was extra tough. And I think, you know, ultimately, when I came out of that, and the second one worked, and I actually was fine after I was really grateful that those procedures exist. I was really thankful that I was able to have that. If you don't get that and you have a missed miscarriage with tissue remaining, a ton of things can happen to you, including infection and death. So thank you, modern medicine, for scraping out my uterus. <laughs> but let's also remember, like many people have medical conditions or things happen with their pregnancies that are not preventable, that are not their fault at all. And they should not be forced to suffer because some arbitrary rule somewhere said, well, you don't love babies if you ever need to intervene in a pregnancy. That's horrifying misogyny. And, you know, if anything, the evangelical church is built just as much on misogyny as it is on racism. <laughs> it's just a little more overt um, about yeah, the women and we part. we should not be scared about having someone come after us legally. Right. I lost a child. I went into early labor and he was stillborn. It happened at my home. And I was hemorrhaging profusely. And my young husband was there with me and had to call 911 and save my life. Mm. And he thought he was going to lose both of us in the same day. And I, for probably a good year or two afterwards, blamed myself for it. I was a vegetarian at the time, and I thought maybe that was the reason why, or all of the medical testing and everything that they did on him and me after for months did not result in anything. He was perfectly healthy. Everything was okay. He just, his heart stopped and he didn't make it. But the amount of guilt that I carried and the self-hatred that I had, I was worried that my husband was going to leave me over it. It it caused a lot of harm because I wasn't able to just care for myself and take care of my own mourning. It was like the layers of guilt were there before I could even mourn for the loss of my son. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. It's not okay that we are going to criminalize. You know, if I had then been brought into court or like charged with a crime because right. of that, I, I don't think I would have been able to survive that, honestly. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I could have gone with the personal guilt and the grief and the loss and then on top of it been dealing with some sort of legal trial because of it. It's it's awful. And it's awful to consider that we are going to take predominantly young people and we are going to harm their lives and potentially harm their lives even more so than the anguish or the sadness that comes with something like a miscarriage or a loss. Or I'm not ready for this in my life and this is not something that I want for myself right now and that we're going to punish uh, people with uteruses because they have a uterus, I guess, is why we're punishing them. 
our entire culture, like talking about miscarriage and pregnancy loss and and some of those things, it's been so taboo. And I think that that's a whole nother, you know, yeah. thanks, <laughs> thanks misogyny again, yeah. like that we can't even, we're not really allowed to grieve those kinds of things. Um, yeah. I will say one thing that is really interesting and it's something that I just learned and sort of blew my mind and I'll try to link it in the, in the show notes, but I saw a video clip from Samantha B uh, from her show. And I don't even know who it was. She was interviewing, but she was interviewing um, someone who's Muslim, someone who's Catholic and someone who's Jewish and on the subject of abortion and you know, goes down the line and in her funny way, so talks to the Jewish uh, rabbi and in our tradition, you know, we value the mother. It's actually like against our morals to save the baby over the mom. Like you, you have to go with the human life. That's like right here. If it's like a life-threatening situation, that's like part of their religious beliefs. And I think I had heard that before. Then gets to the Muslim woman and she's like, nothing. We have nothing in our religion that prohibits abortion. It's like not a it's not even a topic of conversation. They don't argue about when life begins. It's just, it's allowed. And then, of course, gets to the Catholic person and it's like, you know what they're going to say. But it really blew my mind because I was like, what would it be like to just not have those hangups and just, if you never question, well, when does life begin? And when is this baby a baby? And when is it okay? And when is it going to feel pain? And da, da, da. if you were just like, it's a fetus and you're human and you got to make that. I, I hope that I can get to a little bit more like peaceful place where I'm able to just like embrace my pro-choiceness. I think I'm getting there. It's just what I heard my whole life and I've never actually taken a step back to really realize what it is. And, and I don't know that I'll ever know those answers. And again, I'm not God. I'm not in charge. I'm not, in the, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't understand how all those things work. But I do know that the modern Republican Party and their pro-life policies are incredibly damaging. And I don't believe that they are pro-life. I believe that they are pro-birth. And frankly, I think that they are a party of death and that they have done a lot of damage. And if Roe is overturned, it sounds like it might be women will die. And that's that's the truth. And it breaks my heart. And I don't know what we're going to do as a society, as a country. I hope that we rage and that we all find ways to protect one another and to serve each other. And it's going to be black and brown and, and poor and indigenous women who take the front of this. And so I think we as white women need, we, we are going to have to step the fuck up and we are going to have to help some people. This may be a controversial thing to say, but uh, legally standing, Roe is very shaky. Um, I'm not a legal expert, but in talking with legal experts about this and listening to this, um, Roe has always been shaky because it does not actually give women autonomy over their bodies. There are a lot of regulations around it, and everything that is built on top of Roe is also very shaky, legally saying. I'm kind of slightly excited for the idea that we could give the Republican Party exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. Get rid of Roe and get and then some fucking legislation geniuses in there. Yeah. need to come in and we need to make a constitutional amendment that says every person that means if you are here on our soil, that's what I think anyways. No one to me is illegal. If you're here, you're here. You're part of our community. And you should have autonomy over your body regardless of what you identify as, what genitals you have, what your chromosomes say. Literally, none of those things should matter. We need a constitutional amendment that says we all have body autonomy if you are a human who is alive. Hey, listen, evangelicals and ex-evangelicals, if you want some of that old-time religion, all you have to do is go back to like 1978 and... Adopt the views that evangelicals had back then, which was like, nah, this is not a big deal for us. So thank you, Reagan administration and the religious craziness that that brought in right when we were all born. So we're swimming in this pond and that's where we've been. And I don't think that it needs to be this way forever. It hasn't been this way forever in the, the very recent past, the memorable past for many of the people who might be listening to this and also for our own moms. Bless their hearts. Yeah, Let's, and, uh, and I, you know, bless our mom's hearts. We talk about them a bit. We're going to talk about them a whole lot more. Like, they're not bad people. They 
just, I would say, had bad people talking at them a lot and persuading them, you know, like there was, and it's worked and it's gotten a lot of people. You know, my parents have literally never voted Democrat because of it. And I don't know that they ever will, you know, like it just, it's a deeply seated belief. And we thank you for taking the time to let us work some of this out. There's much more conversation to be had on this. Um, if you have questions or comments, just like no threats, like n- none of that. <laughs> We're happy to respectfully <laughs> nice. dialogue with anyone. So yeah. just don't, you know, if you troll, if you troll, Deleted, blocked. We're not. We're not having. I'm gonna, any pull, of that. I'm gonna troll you back and hex you too. So just watch out. <laughs> oh yeah, she's a witch, guys. <laughs> and she will hex you. If you're in a state where um, abortion care is not readily available, we will put resources in the show notes. Um, it is not lip service. We believe in healthcare for everyone and body autonomy for all. So please reach out. There are resources. There are people in every state and in every town who can support and help you. And maybe we need to just start like a relocation service. Like Oregon's a great place. Like let's just take over Oregon, bring all the people here. All types of refugees are welcome. Healthcare refugees are included in that. Um, We love you all. Thank you for joining us. This has been Holy Ghosting and I'm Meg. And I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarai. We'll see you next time. Bye. Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.